Hello, and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 4, Episode 5, All the Million Things, with Laura Weiler. Ebb and flow are part of the creative process. Things about starting Collage 2 is that it definitely quieted my anxious mind. I'm hopeful for the future. I'm hopeful for the arts. Laura Weiler is a collage artist from Michigan, now living in Oregon. She has a degree in art direction and cinematography, which bring a strong sense of composition and drama to what she's working on now, collage. Her background in photography, floral design, film, illustration, and mixed media are all evident in her beautiful collages. She describes herself as a multi-potentialite which means someone with many different interests and hobbies and creative pursuits. It stems from the word multi-potentiality, a psychological educational term used to describe people who display aptitudes across multiple disciplines. Laura spoke to us about visual composition, working with texture and line and color and form and placement and image sourcing, and how to develop a narrative for a visual art piece. Working primarily with antique newsprint, cardstock, vintage magazines, and books, Laura brings a love of paper ephemera and narrative design to make dynamic, unexpected images. Here's Laura. My name is Laura Weiler. I'm a 39-year-old woman living just outside of Portland, Oregon with my spouse and seven-year-old child. I go by she, her. I am currently working in collage art, but I consider myself an interdisciplinary artist. I have a kind of a wide array of a background and consider myself a bit of a multi-potentialite within um, many mediums. I grew up in Michigan and I have 100% always felt the most at home in my body and in my heart and the most at peace when I am creating art. I first fell in love with painting and illustration. Art was always really nurtured in my home from my parents. And it was never a question of if can I, can I do this when I would see big paintings when we go to museums, it was going to be how am I going to do this? I want to do this. I, I can do this. Um, I've always felt my most competent self when I've been creating. And In my elementary school years, I think that I thought art was mainly like painting and illustrating. And so that's what I think I explored most. And it was the first time that I think I got some acknowledgement that I might, this might be something that other people could think would be cool too, and not just something that was bringing me a bit of therapy. When I was in high school, I quickly dove into photography and really explored that and did a lot of, spent a lot of time in the darkroom as a senior in high school. I really fell in love with the process of developing in a darkroom and also composition and how to arrange a scene to evoke an emotion or to tell a story. And I think that's when, when I was getting ready to talk to you, Joni, I was reflecting a whole lot about themes in my work. And I think in high school, I noticed at first that my love of composition was really coming out and that I was really in love with the process and the tactile work of being in a dark room and touching things and developing things and watching the physical process of these images that I captured on camera come to life in a way that I didn't feel like I was able to illustrate through either illustration or painting, which I enjoy, but 
never fully felt like I found a stride in. And then after high school, I had to really start thinking about what am I going to do, which I think is kind of a really too big of a question for an 18-year-old to be asking themselves. I knew that I wanted to go into a creative field, and I knew that I wanted to combine my love of composition. And what I was discovering was a natural inclination for arranging things and creating environments. So I decided to go to college in in Chicago at Columbia College for film. And I thought, well, cinematography feels like a really obvious medium for me to move into. I have this growing love of light and storytelling and framing and all of these things I wanna say. And I also was really eager to leave a smaller town in Michigan and immerse myself in an environment that was diverse and diverse in all of the ways that you could be diverse, socioeconomic diversity, racial diversity, religious diversity, everything, just like queerness, the entire spectrum of everything. I wanted to just dive in and really eat it all up and let it like soak into where I was going as an artist. So I decided to study cinematography and then ultimately I figured out that it was a lot more technical than I was wanting in my creative process. And I did cinematography and I did a lot of tech heavy stuff, lighting and camera work. And I was finding myself that when I was doing student projects or doing student projects rather, that I was the most in love with building the set. And I thought, you know, this kind of actually makes sense. I've always really loved interior design. I've loved this about composition and arranging and photography. And I think that I want to try this. So this was like a time in my life in my early 20s when I was just like, yeah, let's do this. I'm going to do production design. Also was really loving surrounding myself by like creative people. I was always up for doing like kind of anything. When you are going in, when you're in film school and you have your fellow students who are asking you to do crazy shit to be in their film, most people are like, I don't know. But I was always like, I'm down. Yeah, let's do this. Let's make some art. And I think that it really helped me form, I guess, what was like, yeah, what I really wanted to lean into. That was a really good, it's good. What I wanted to lean into, what I wanted to nurture and what was coming really naturally to me. And that was like experimenting, arranging with environments and playing. And I also, I'm a really introspective person and I'm really relationship focused. And I was finding that that was making its way into my work in a way that the two themes that I've been, I think that even I've just maybe discovered in the last year, and you know, after 40 years of being on this earth almost, is that most of my work is about relationships and environment and how our relationships with ourselves and other people in our lives impact our environment around us and just kind of like how those all things, all those things tie together. So to make a long story short, I decided to go into production design and I felt like this is it. This is what I want to be doing. And after college, I took a little bit of a detour for a few years and got out of art and ended up going back into the film industry and working at this really cool place in Chicago called Salvage One. And what they did there was, what we did there, it was just on the Um, We would go into old buildings and pull out things that we thought were interesting or that we could use to resell or imagine into other big projects. So it was just this giant warehouse and I worked in the wood shop and I'd help source things. And so 
sourcing ended up being another thing that I really fell in love with, with the creative process, because I found that I just really love old things and treasure hunts. I mean, I always knew I loved old things. I always had an affinity for old paper, old furniture, old clothes. And so I really was able to learn about a lot about sourcing there. And that is when I first stumbled upon my first really big haul of antique paper. Uh, we were on a sourcing trip and we were going to this place called Cooper's in the west side of Chicago. And I was dressed in this fighter pilot jumpsuit because when you went in there, you like never knew what you were going to get into. And I had found one at a flea market. And so you'd get suited up and you'd go in and you'd just dive through these huge mounds of things. And I found an old safe. And in the old safe, I found all of the paperwork from the Kimball Candy Company from like 1820 to like 1980. And it was like, how did this get here? This huge safe. Weird. I wonder if it's open. I'll open it. And then inside I thought, oh my God, I don't know what all this is, but I need to, I have to have it. And I bought it all. And ultimately after that, it lived in a tote and got carted around for about 10 years. And so like I had kind of led my whole life like that. And I had been collecting paper, even as a kid wanting to collect paper or old things and then working uh, in film and then doing a lot of my early film work was very period specific, but I did it on purpose because I wanted the challenge of finding these things and building this environment that was felt really specific to whatever the character was going through. And so I had just found myself collecting old things all the time and not knowing what I was going to use it for, but for sure keeping it. And after I worked at Salvage One for a little while, I decided I needed a change. I was kind of realizing that the film industry, probably while the work was something that I really loved, I loved building sets and being on sets. And I worked on a lot of commercials and photography shoots and independent films. But ultimately I realized that being on set for me at least was really stressful. And when you're on a good film set, it feels like the best summer camp that you could ever imagine. And when you're on maybe not the most functional film set, it's like pretty not so fun. Let's just put it that way. And so I ultimately decided to move into floral design for a little bit. And I worked at a really fantastic high-end studio that we were uh, working with a lot of high profile clients in Chicago. So again, like I was still arranging things. I was still making things like satisfying that need to arrange and to like work with my hands. And I did that for a little while and then took kind of a break from art. I had met my spouse and we had gotten married and I became a mom, which was really awesome. But I definitely took me a minute to find my footing in parenthood as I think it kind of does for everybody. And while I was staying creative, I was mainly creating for a result. I was either making a painting for my daughter or I was volunteering at a school event and decided to be all oh, do the decorations. So it was, I was still staying creative. It was a lot more crafty though. Throughout this entire time of like being creative and wanting to work with my hands and satisfying these, like what I kind of equate with like this childhood need, there's these things called, and I could be mispronouncing it, called schemas and early childhood development where kids are learning about their ideas and their space through play and repetitive behaviors. And like what a lot of kids do, it's a super kind of normal, really awesome part of development is they do these things like they'll either do folding or ripping or tearing or arranging or wrapping or enveloping. And I was finding like, I think that I just never grew out of that. 
And I always wanted to be like, it's kind of like when you want to arrange your desk and you're like, oh gosh, that felt really good. It's like, I'm constantly looking for that, but in an artistic form. And so throughout my entire creative process, I think arranging and placing and paying attention to color and texture and composition have been really predominant in my work. And I don't think I even realized it until recently. I found a style pile of life magazines about a year and some change ago, and I was deeply looking for a way to kind of tap back into that creativity that was going to help me put me in a place that I was going to be making it for the process and for like just myself. And I was looking for a medium that would kind of fit into the time and energy constraints of being a parent and a partner and operating in like this very fast paced world. And so I found a stack of life magazines and I thought, you know what, I love old paper. I'm going to try collage. And so what happened with collage was I think that I kind of admittedly thought this will be easy. I'm going to look up some collages on Instagram, like, oh, I can do this. And then I sat down and I realized, holy crap, this is not easy. That was really pompous of me to think. And this is really challenging and I really want to be better at it. So I think through one of the reasons that I love collage so much is because it forces me to be a flexible thinker in my creative life and that in a way that I maybe struggle with in my real life. So like part of the reasons that I love collage so much is that it's like a treasure hunt and I can find a subject, which is usually a subject or an environment and think I have an idea and then start digging and flipping through magazines. And then I find another thing oh, this adds to this or this takes away from it. And I'm forced to pivot or change my idea or adjust my expectations about the outcome. And I think with every other medium that felt like super hard, but in this way and with collage, it was really invigorating. So I think what I would definitely say my artwork has been saying these days and what it explores the most is, is dismantling an already existing image, reimagining it in a way that exhibits a subject or an environment and how those two connect to each other, or possibly a different perspective or a different way of looking at something. I think ultimately when I look at collage and when I was looking at growing my skill set in collage, is it forced me to look at an image that already existed and say, how do I think of this differently? How do I take this apart and recreate it in a way that I hope it could be, or in a way that helps better tell a story that I'm trying to convey? Or in this just very like Dada-esque kind of like, let's just tear it down and then rebuild it or burn it to the ground and rebuild it kind of situation. One of the things that I've noticed a lot, not all collage artists, obviously, but a lot of collagists do really um, feel challenged by anxiety, myself included. And one of the most beneficial things about starting collage too is that it definitely quieted my anxious mind. It helped me focus on something that wasn't like, all the million things that are happening in our lives and in our culture and in our communities and in our country and with administration or our families and all of those relationships, I was really able to shift and focus on 
this little thing that I had in front of me. And I think that that's a really strong theme with a lot of collages who have anxiety or ADHD or ADD or are struggling with depression because it really helps you get into your body, but out of your mind, if that makes sense. It's a saving grace. And I know that there's a lot of terrible things that are happening in the world, but in all honesty, it sounds really crazy, but I'm like, I, I have art and I can use this. And it's a tool that I hope I can pass down to my kiddo and that I hope that I can share with other people and let them know like you have this, it exists inside of you. You can tap into it. And I, that's what I think collages are really like. It's like a gateway medium. <laughs> it's like a portal into other mediums that you might not have even thought that you could love or know that you could be good at or has just provided you with a kind of peace that you never knew you could have through art. I would describe my work presenting this visual representation of what it was like for me to stroll or dig or ravage through some magazines and pull from some things that I might have set aside and create this space in this environment that creates an emotion that I might be feeling or not feeling. Sometimes I'll just use a creative prompt and be say, okay, I'm going to make a blue collage today and just the color blue, but that ends up being really sad. And that necessarily isn't how I'm feeling or what I was trying to convey. It's just kind of like where the twist and turns of analog collage has led me. Because you can pull magazine photos, and I mainly work in photo montage, um, creating environments with old National Geographics and Life magazines and pictures of colored cardstock and some of that antique paper that I hauled 10 years ago and that I've been carrying around with me to just create something that I feel like is aesthetically pleasing in a way, but mostly that it's just nurturing the process of me making it. And it's in, in collage, I feel like the one of the other reasons I love it so much is it's just so incredibly accessible. You really don't have to have any artistic background or any kind of like anything, and it provides you a way to create a piece of art in such a short amount of time. And, and part of that therapy is the ripping and the cutting and the schemas that I talked about with the early childhood stuff. And it's sitting and forcing yourself to look at things differently. And I think that when people can sit down and do that, they end up being a little, a lot more creative than they think they are. Cause you can trace with an exacto knife or rip a piece of paper. None of it's digital. I, uh, I rip it, I cut it. Um, and then I glue it and I just, um, and I, and I work really hard to sometimes, on some pieces I like that they look a little rougher, but on others I do like that they have a seamless look about them. And that was just a lot of learning tricks from other people in the collage community on Instagram and just being willing to look like an, a noob to the medium and ask really weird questions or silly questions or questions that might seem super obvious. But yeah, I, I'm a big fan of analog and I think that that is um, a big part of what's really beautiful about it is because you're so subject to the your material I think there's a lot of talk about what's essential these days and I believe 100% with all of my being that art is completely essential and what I'm hoping to do with the future is seeing past the pandemic and I didn't get a chance to talk about it a little bit here, but is offering workshops that help people connect with a part of themselves that either 
they haven't connected with themselves in a long time, like a creative part of their being, which they were told by their parents, it was frivolous or silly, or maybe they're an artist and they just kind of stopped, or maybe they never thought they were creative. What I'm really, really hoping to do in the future is offer workshops where I can show people how collage can really help them tap into that creative part of themselves and have maybe perspective shifts in things just in front of them with paper that kind of can translate into the real world everyday life. Try, I'm trying to stay hopeful about the arts because I think that it, it I, hope, I hope that it doesn't get too pushed aside with all the other stuff. I don't think it will though, at least within a lot of the political movements that I'm trying to be a part of and the conversation that I'm hoping to contribute to. So I have a lot, I'm hopeful for the future, I'm hopeful for the arts and I'm hopeful that I will find my footing in helping people realize its value and then realize its value within themselves and what a, and a tremendous therapy can be with like writing or whatever, anything, collage, painting, any of it. Creative work is such an ebb and flow that when you hit one of those ebbs, sometimes at least for me, I feel like, oh gosh, I'm just like not going to make anything good again. This is done or whatever. And I know that that's just a part of the process, but what I do to push through that is, and I'm feeling really stuck, is something called a single page process. One of the best things that I like is just finding a small exercise that works for you to just kind of jostle, jostle some things loose. I know a lot of artists keep a creative journal. I keep a collage journal. And when I don't feel like sitting down and really, really working, I'll sit down with a sheet of paper and I'll cut it up and I'll rearrange it or I'll rip it up and I'll rearrange it. Or I'll think of a new, you know, how could I express this differently? And so those are kind of some of the creative prompts that I do. I also, one of the things that I... I could say if anybody's looking to, to, to like grow their creative voice or just to improve their creative practice, there's so many things that you could do. I actually just made a little zine on it about things you can do to really get your creative process going. But one of them is really just join a creative community, whether it's online or in person. And part of one of the creative communities that I'm a part of does a collage prompt every week. And that has been really fantastic as if I don't know what to make or anything like that, I can just say, okay, well, what it's an Instagram page called glue together. We're collage artists from around the world. I'll follow the same prompt for the week. And then we all kind of are making art together, but not together. And so I feel like I met a lot of really positive, amazing people just on the creative and creative online communities. Like I can honestly say, like I have friends all over the world and of all different age groups and of all different skill sets and of all different talents. And some people are making collages their career and some people are just hobbyists, but I've learned so many, so much from other people in the creative community. And that is probably what I would recommend who's anybody who's starting with a new medium or any medium is just find, find some people that you can talk about it with and then know that ebb and flow are part of the creative process. And I ask my peers too, like, what do you do when you're stuck? And I've read a lot of creative process books and that's something else I, I really dove into too in the past year is figuring out like, I'm not the only one going through this. I'm not the only one who felt stuck for, you know, seven years or who like was making art but not feeling connected to it. And like, I'm inspired by all these people. So I'm just going to really kind of turn my type A on and just do a ton of research. And that is something that I would also just dive in, join a community, start reading, start making. And I think one of the best, one of the best things was, and I read this in an Austin Cleone book, he wrote a few books. He's an artist out of Austin, Texas. And 
he isn't the first person to say it, but when I was able to start really viewing my work as play, it helped lighten and detach myself from the results. And I think that that was really freeing, especially when you're first starting with a medium and, and this is a pretty trite saying, but when your skill set's not necessarily matching your taste level, it can feel really frustrating and you can just want to stop. But when you're viewing your art as play and you're just kind of charging forward with this, like, I'm just experimenting and figuring this out. I'm not trying to like create a huge masterpiece is that's that repetition and that kind of like approaching your work with that kind of lightness has always has been really helpful when when I've been starting any new medium. Check out Laura's collages at cutandplaced.com or on Instagram at cutandplaced. This episode was sponsored by the Oregon Arts Commission, the National Endowment for the Arts, the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition, the Kenton Action Plan, North Portland Community Works, and the Oregon Cultural Trust. Thank you so much for your sponsorship. The episode was written and produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Matt Larimer. The music for this episode was written and produced by Standing On End. Check them out at standingonend.bandcamp.com or on Instagram at Standing On End. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out at futureprairie.com or on social media at Future Prairie. Thanks so much.